This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to a Blue Monday TWTD collaboration special interview with a one-time Mitchell Town midfielder with 100 appearances, 16 goals, part of Joe Raw's playoff hunting side of 03040405, and now a pundit, a co-commentator, part of ITFC's match day commentary team. Welcome to the podcast, Ian Westlake. How are you? Yes, very good. Thank you for having me. And a, a, now a, a, a voice that will be familiar to people up and down the country and overseas every week. So we'll talk to you about that. And welcome back to the pod, Phil. It's been a while since we've we've met up, since the summer, I think. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Well, I'm a bit of a cold, but other than that, oh, not too bad. It's powering through. God bless you for sticking yeah. with us. Um, we are going to talk all things, Ian. We're going to take you right back to the start. And um, I'll hand over to Phil. Yes, so an Essex lad. Clacton, I think you're from, aren't you? How yeah. did how did uh, you first link up with Ipswich Town? Um, so I, I finally I tell this I've told this story a million times. I I was a swimmer. My family are swimming families. Um, so I went to a gala once. I think I was about eleven. Um, turned up, swam because we were late without warming up and tore my shoulder. So then couldn't swim anymore. So you thought, oh, okay, I'll play football while I can't swim. So I had a couple of months off. Um, and then I only played sort of four or five games for Clapton, um, Clapton, what was it, Clapton Kestrels? And then, you know, within, yeah, within those handful of games, it's which you come, seen a game, and then I was at the academy. So I thought, all right, I'll do football as well as swimming. Um, so it's just sort of, it was luck, like someone was there. I wasn't good at football, and during my career, I wasn't that good at football. I was very fit. Um, just way fitter than any, any other 11-year-old boy. Like my dad, we used to swim before school, after school, land training. Um, like, yeah, I was just like a good athlete and they thought, oh, okay, we could probably work with that. And at the time I was left-footed, so I like very left-footed and they liked, you know, they, they were always short left-footed players. So it was a combination of just being fit and left-footed. They thought, oh, we'll take a punt on him. Um, yeah, it turned out okay in the end. Mm. So how good a swimmer were you? I think England schools water polo, is that right? Yeah, that's... so. That's nonsense. Um, <laughs> that was just something that, that. <laughs> so, that you found that when I raced Cam Pickering, 
that's what one of the guys on Sky Sports said. Um, England schools water polo. That was just I don't know where they made it up from. Um, I would a good swimmer, um, like swam counties, um, so like county level. Went to southern counties. So I never made like national swimming, um, but good. And then water polo. I played for Great Britain at water polo. Um, so I played for the under 18s and I was only 16. But then it was the time when you signed your YTS. So I got offered YTS to get paid to play football, move to Ipswich, accommodation, all of that. Um, not a lot of money, but it was getting paid at 16. Or there was a trip to Portugal for, I think, one of the junior world championships of water polo. Um, and it was like, buy your own tracksuit, buy your own plane ticket, buy this, because obviously there's just no money in it. So dad sort of was like, well probably go the football route instead of the water polo route but yeah that was the yeah just sort of how it turned out mm. and in terms of sort of swimming generally i remember you telling me before you weren't tall enough to be a, a kind of competitive swimmer is that right yeah probably not like you see the guys don't you at the olympics they're six five they're just absolute animals um you need the levers um you could probably get away with being a breaststroker if you're a bit smaller um but yeah i, I don't think i was ever gonna be that good like that was by that age, you were training sort of 20 hours a week as a swimmer. Um, and I, I was never going to be doing that. I was doing sort of 10 hours of football and 10 hours of swimming. So, like, I couldn't, couldn't fit it all in. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, no surprise you were very, very fit then, really, is it? Um, so, centre midfield then was where I first saw you playing. Presumably that's where, as a result of that fitness, that's where um, managers and coaches put you from the start, was it? Yeah, like, I do this. So, I coach my daughter's team and... I talk to kids all the time. I was talking to a kid, like, there's a kid in my daughter's school who's unbelievable at football. And I don't know, like, he was played, he was at Ipswich, I think he's at Norwich now, but he was played in different positions. Um, and when you play as young, you just play everywhere. Like, every player at an academy is generally a striker because he's come from his team where he's the best player and you stick him up front because he scores all your goals. So you turn up and everyone's like, oh, where do you play striker? Where do you play old striker? And then you're just like, you can't have 11 strikers. So they end up sort of figuring out, okay, we're not all going to play up front and they, you certainly learn positions. So it's interesting. Like I like, there was one coach when I was young who said to me, sort of go and play left back. And I was like, I don't want to be a defender. I don't want to be a left back. But from left back, you can see the whole pitch. So you go and you play there and you think, oh, okay, why can't I pass to my left midfielder? He keeps running away from me. And then when you go back and play left midfield, you think, oh, I'm not going to run away from my left back anymore because I've played left back and I've learned it. Same in centre midfield. You think, I can't find the centre midfielder's feet because he keeps running away. So then when you go back to playing these positions, um, you've got all this in, the th in, like, in your head. So, yes, left, left, centre midfield. I like to play in a three because it gave me licence to run up and down. Whereas when you play in a two, you have to be a bit more staying at home sort of thing. I like playing on the left. Um, I like playing in the Ipswich team when we had gym um, where... I sort of, when I was going forward, I was playing on the left because he'd come inside and want to get the ball. But often I'd recover to the centre because they wanted my legs in the middle. So, like, it was different. Like, you didn't always have to have positions. And if you watch the game now, like, positions are sort of a thing of the past. Like, everyone sort of blurs into... And they like Kieran always says, he doesn't really call it a formation, um, and, which is interesting now. And it is, it's sort of progressed quite a lot of... You don't really have a set position. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't have pigeonholed myself as a centre midfielder or a left midfielder um, somewhere across the middle. Um, I never it was I never played as an inverted off the right. Um, although I think that would have been something fun to do, like come in and shoot in your left foot. That just wasn't a position I ever got played. Mm. So you first crossed my radar in the Youth Cup in um, the and, and and specifically the two semi-finals with Arsenal, 
which I still think are probably two of the best matches I've ever seen. They were phenomenal matches, weren't they? Yeah, unbelievable. Do you know, so like I've said this to you before, like my memory's terrible of football matches. So um, the only the thing I remember about that, which is really weird, it's when something like I never watched EastEnders as a kid, but someone shot Phil Mitchell and it was like a big thing of who shot Phil Mitchell. And then, so our captain at the time, who was Guy Bonwick, um, was from Hertfordshire. And when we played away at Highbury, all his mates had come and they'd made this huge banner of Bonner's shot Phil Mitchell. And that's the thing I remember from going to Highbury. And we were playing against you know, Jermaine Pennant, um, Ali Adier. Like their team, like if you read the team sheet back, it's like Harper, Sidwell. Like, mm. it's stacked I can read it now. I can read it now if you like. It's, Go on. Uh, Holloway, Israel, Ben Chorley, who obviously played quite regularly in uh, in league football. Ryan Gary, who I think is a, a coach with the uh, with England now, at one of the eight, under eighteen level or something like that. Justin Hoyt, Nicky yeah. Nicolou, Stephen Sidwell, Rowan Ricketts, Carlin Atonga. Jermaine Thomas, David Bentley came on as a substitute, Moritz Boltz who ended up yeah. at town, Jeremy Aladair, and Jermaine Pennant. Extraordinary team, really. For that was the that was in the first leg. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, and uh, and because um, you won the game at um, at Highbury, didn't you? We won at Highbury, and it was awesome. Like it's amazing. Say so you played at Highbury. Like I remember going and watching. I watched the Champions League game there when it was. I think it was a so fun between Man United and Arsenal. And you're like, oh, I've played on that pitch. Like it's just an awesome thing to have to say you played at Highbury. Um, yeah, but they, they were brilliant games, that, and our team wasn't bad. We like if you look through our team, over half of them made it in league football. Yeah, um, that's the thing. These days, doesn't happen. Like you pick out one or two from a side, but it was a good Ipswich side. Um, yeah. Well, people talk about 2005 and actually winning the FA Youth Cup, but the the side that you were in, which was, was it 2001, that that was the side that um, I mean, yeah, um, Darren Kelly in goal, Arton, Will Snowden. Beavers, he played in league football, didn't he, for a few years? Um, Westlake, yeah. Bonwick, uh, Matt Bloomfield, uh, Darren Ambrose, Steve Burton, he also played in league football for a few years, didn't he? Um, well, yeah, but Ambrose, like, so Ambrose and Bent were the two big names to Martin. Yeah. Like, obviously, Ambrose got bought, went to Newcastle, Bentie, everyone knows Bentie's career better than Ambrose's, probably. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, as a kid growing up, Ambrose was the best player in our team by a country mile. Like, Bentie was good, but just quick. Yeah. But then he went on to play for England and premiership appearances through the roof. Like, brilliant player. But Ambrose was the one. Ambrose was special. Like, just had magic in his. Like, some of the goals he could score, uh, balance the way he could move. Um, like, some of the goals, if you look, like when he played for Newcastle, were brilliant. He just had problems with injury. Like, he was also, I remember when he left, he was similar height to me. And then I saw him a couple of years later when he came, he was back at the training ground. Um, and he was like four, four inches taller. Like, and then he had back problems, and I think just like the late growth spurt and stuff like that really like hampered him at Newcastle. Um, yeah, but they, they were great games. I loved that game. Like, we uh, we should have won, and that was the year. Annoyingly, that was the year where we were the like Will Snowden and all that were the year older, so we were all playing a year up at that stage as well. But then by the time we actually got to play in our own age group, Bentley was with the first team, Ambrose was with the first team. So by the time we were the top end of the FA Youth Cup age group, and you thought we could win it. Um, the team had been diluted and anyone who was any good was either out on loan or um, not playing in the youth team anymore, which was a bit of a shame. Hmm. And you won the under-17s league title that year as well, didn't you? Yeah, at St James's Park. 
So that was fun to play at Newcastle. And then we, I remember, we were sponsored by Pritz. Do you remember Pritz Stick? Yeah, yeah. That so we got these, I remember these tops with the Pritz Stick sort of glue. It was our sponsor. Um, and I think they may have even come and they gave us, we gave us bottles of champagne afterwards. And we were sort of 17 thinking, this is amazing. They give us champagne. Turned out it was like non-alcoholic champagne. And everyone was really excited that we, oh, I've just done a bottle of champagne. Um, it's like, no, well, you haven't. It's non-alcoholic, but... Um, yeah, it was fun. Like, nice to play at St. James's Park. But the one at Highbury, I think we had something like 15,000. And then when we played the home leg, we ended up kicking off late because there was so many people coming to watch. Yeah. It was just incredible for, a, for an FA Youth Cup game that all the Italy fans sort of well, pushed the kickoff back because they had to all get in. They were brilliant. They were saying they were terrific games. I thought um, Jermaine Pennant was just unplayable, oh. wasn't he, in the second leg? He was just untouchable at that stage. Like he again, there was some names. Bentley was one of them. There was another, the Ryan Gary that you mentioned. These were players that should have gone on and been. Like I know Jermaine's Pedder's career is unbelievable, but I think others should have gone on and been better. Um, when you're in the youth team, you see loads of players like that. The ones that you just think they're so special, um, but converting it into a career is really difficult. Mm-hmm. And Robert Dickinson at Town, I thought he was a he was a terrific player at that stage as well, wasn't he? Yeah, Dick Dicko was one of the most skillful players I played with. He was just a bit nuts. Like he just is mentally, he was never going to be like he was never going to bed early and eating the right things and turn up for training when he should. And like it just wasn't in him to be like that. Um, I don't know if you could say a coach can get hold of somebody, but some people it's just not. It's just not going to happen. Um, and yeah, talent-wise, yeah, no problem. But I'd see loads of these that you'd think, oh, he's way better than me. What am I still doing here? But they just didn't work hard enough and they didn't listen. Um, yeah, it's weird. Like, I think there's a lot, and now I do coaching and things, it comes up. You just think, like, you think so many people are so talented, and you just think, why can't they just turn up on time, or why can't they just train hard, or why can't they? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not the bits that were a given, you'd think. I'd love to have had some of the abilities that you see. Um, yeah, turns out not that isn't just a given for everyone, hard work and turning up. Like, that's that's something that you've got to put in. Mm, mm, yes, there's, there's a lot more to it than talent. Yeah, as you say. Yeah, Rich, the the kind of breakthrough moment for you in the first team happens to coincide with this really challenging time for the club because there's the relegation from the Premier League. Um, we're in the UEFA Cup in through the Fair Play League, and I think you're on the bench away in Sarted. Um, if uh, I'm looking at your face, like, do you remember that one? I do that remember was, that because. We've done all the pre-season. I've done quite well in pre-season. And I'm thinking, OK, I'm going with the first team away from home. Um, this is awesome. Like, really excited. Matt Richards, I think, gets his first start. Youngest player to ever play in Europe, Ripsitch, all of this. And I'm not on the bench. I mean, I'm just in the stand. So I'm like, why have I come all the way here to sit in the stand? Um, and I was raging afterwards. And you, and you don't... Like, you don't think you deserve a place in the first team. But I've done all the pre-season. I've done really well. And then I don't remember, we had a player called Ulrich Le Pen. Yes. Like, so he was still there and he'd come in and hadn't done anything. They hadn't, they pushed him out pre-season. He hadn't trained at all. We rock up and I think, you might, I might be wrong, but I think he either plays or comes on. Yeah, this is Luxembourg. This is in Luxembourg, Luxembourg. isn't it? And I'm just thinking, why? Like, they're pushing this guy out, blah, blah, blah. Turns out afterwards, I speak to somebody who says, oh, they had someone there watching who just wanted to see that he was still fit and he could still play. We wanted to move him on. And it's like the first time in football I was just like, 
what you don't just put the best team out for every game to win a football match. They're like, wow. Yeah, it was the sort of it wasn't the moment the penny dropped because later on as things sort of got more frustrating, it happened more. But in that instant, I just thought, oh, okay, we're playing someone, so someone else can see him, so that the club can get him off the wage bill. Um, and I was just like, that's really odd. Like I'd always just thought you put your best team out, or if someone did that well in training, they'd get a spot. And you just sort of thought, oh, this is a bit odd. Like he's getting a start because they want to get rid of him. And I'm like, that's sort of counterintuitive where my mind works. Like, if you don't want him anymore, why are you playing him? Um, but yeah, it was sort of a bit of a wake-up moment, that one. There's a quote that we've we've got, and we'll, we'll put it to you about being in the right place in the right time in respect of the opportunities afforded to young players because of administration. But you are there through George Burley. I think you're on the bench for the Grimsby game, which is Burley's last game. Tony Mowbray, Brian Klug come in on a caretaker basis. And then Joe Royal. Talk to us about that as a young player trying to get your head around those kind of really big moments for a club. So you just don't care. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm Easy young. answer. I'm young. Um, I'm just buzzing to be anywhere near the first team. I've seen Benty and Ambrose do it. Um, they're way better than me. But like, I'm thinking, oh, okay, but they keep asking me to train with them. I keep doing well in training. I'm playing well in reserve games. It's nice to be involved. Um, then the club go in, they call you in. They're like, you know, will anyone defer their wages? And the older ones sort of have a grumble and this all happens. And then people start leaving. Um, and you just sort of think, okay, like you don't really know anything of it. Like administration was just a new thing. You didn't like the play. I don't know if the older players will obviously think more of it. And as you go through, you get more, but when I'm like that, I'm just thinking, okay, turn up for training, train hard, go home. Um, and then, yeah, so Mogger and Brian played me when we had a chance to do it. The end of the season. Um, then obviously by the time we came back, Joe had come, we'd cleaned how we'd had to clean house a bit. And then a lot of players had left. Um, and I wouldn't have got a chance if that hadn't happened. So, like, administration was a good thing for me. Like, I got to play because we were balancing the book somewhat. But it worked out well. We were we were we signed good players. We had Bentley coming through, myself, Marriage. It's like we had a solid youth, and we had some old heads that were good. And we had Joe, who was brilliant, um, and Willie Donachy. I have to say, Willie was awesome as well. Like a really good coach, and they sort of worked off each other really well together. Um, and yeah, under Joe, we were just a really good side, like a really good side. And it was enjoyable. Like we had some good players. We were still, if you look at the team when Joe came in, he was still unfortunately like letting players go because they were balancing in the books. And then he got sort of a settled team for two years and that was two years of the playoffs. Um, and that's just sort of how it worked. But for me as administration or this or that, just didn't, didn't even feature in my head. I was like, people are going, great. More chance for me getting a game. Um, you, did, you didn't think like, which and you don't learn this until you get older. You you don't know that the sad things like people losing their jobs or there's a guy, there's guys who have companies that because local companies look out for Ipswich and help them with things. You don't realise that these companies are then getting ten p on a pound of the debt they're owed. You just don't. No one explains that to you at sort of seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. And like ignorance is bliss. It's probably nice that I didn't know. Otherwise, I'd be thinking, oh, well, I'm working for someone who's not treating people right. Do you know what I mean? Like none yeah. of that. None of that happens. You just go oh, look, some of the good players are leaving. I might get to play. And then when you get to play, you get excited and you're happy. And then you probably end up earning more and having a better career. And you just think, oh, brilliant. And you don't know any of that other stuff. Well, certainly at 19, you don't know that. Um, and I think during football, you see young players who, they're better when they're young because ignorance is bliss. You don't know all the other rubbish stuff that goes on. Um, and that sort of just comes later when you realise like what's, what's actually happened. 
yeah there's a bigger wider world out there and that stress and pressure and probably quite fairly um it sounds like the club or maybe your mindset kept you away from that which is probably for the best you mentioned willie donahue and and joe royal phil ham here has provided me a quote from joe royal to describe you as three lungs and um, <laughs> did he take a shine to you yeah so you 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 play in teams and you just fit and i just fitted in that team the way that we played we needed legs around jim um jim was a brilliant brilliant footballer came to uh, like liverpool academy just like total football he loved it and wanted the ball um and just ran the dressing room ran the team and it was just brilliant playing in that and when you're young and you someone like that you just say yes jim and you just get on and you just like you know your job if it means running a bit harder for to do bits that other people can't do that's fine and that suited me um and I think it's like better play. Like, so Lundberg, for instance, at Arsenal, I always looked at Lundberg and thought he was brilliant. And then he went to other teams and he was rubbish. Um, and his ability was running and he'd make really good runs at really good times. And he was a good finisher. He Once you got through, he would score. But all the skill was around him and the ability. But there is a skill in just timing runs. And in that team, I knew that if I made runs the ball would come to me. So most of my finishes are one-touch finishes because I could just make runs knowing that I had good players all around me. And then other things that I had in that team I really enjoyed was I had Benty, who I played with for lots of years, from probably 13. So I could turn balls into corners blind knowing that he would be making that run because that's a relationship that built up over long periods of time. Um, so, yeah, and, and Joe, I think, saw how me, Richo and Benty could play together. Um, he saw that I could add things that would help the team in terms of legs like Darren Curry when he came into the side like he was super fit but wasn't quick and running wasn't his strength his strength was skill on the ball similar to Jim um, even Jammer Jammer could run all day but didn't run that much <laughs> but was very good on the ball um, so it was just I, it was a place where running fitted and I could do that Towards the end of the season, um, a few more appearances, and there is, I mean, we've you've mentioned this midfield that Joe Royal had got, and you know Matt Holland leaves at the end of this season, but Tommy Miller's in there. You mentioned Magilton and Jermaine Wright, but this three 0 win in that o two o three season, you'll find the first proper season um, where we we end up narrowly missing out of the playoffs. You you've got a feature role in that one, but that three 0 game, any memories of that? Memory of, so funnily enough, I commentated on Portsmouth. Recently, it did. So yeah, just, just played the Portsmouth game. So I thought, oh, well, I think I played Portsmouth a few times. So I'd had a look, and yes, a strong Portsmouth team. But they were promoted, weren't they? They were on the beach, weren't they? Little and bit. all I remember is we battered them. Um, but I was sitting there, one of my first games. I was sitting there thinking, what's this guy doing? There's a guy on the cobbled side, mm. on the cobbled boxes, for the whole game with a cowbell, just walking along the boarding, ringing this bell the whole time. Like, turns out, I think his name's John Portsmouth. He changed his yeah. name, to, yeah. and he's relatively famous, but I, I didn't know at the time. Um, yeah, he just walks along ringing this bell, and the stewards are standing there, and then the police come, and they're all trying to get him off. But they can't go on for health and safety reasons, so as long as he doesn't leave, he's fine. <laughs> so, as much as it's a 3-0 win, I remember just watching this like guy with tattoos and dreadlocks and a cowbell, just like walking along ringing his bell for for 90 minutes um and then yeah i got on making an appearance but yeah i don't like it doesn't stick in my memory of anything um other than yeah there's like just this madman ringing a bell yeah well, it's the beginning of what will be a, a pretty decent season for you coming up um over to phil 
Yeah, John John Portsmouth Football Club Westwood. That was <laughs> that's the guy's <laughs> name. <laughs> he was still getting himself banned in pre-season this year as well. I, I noticed before we played them. Um, so yeah, so oh three oh four. You've uh, you've got the number thirty three shirt at this stage. You won't being offered the uh, a shirt in the in the in the first eleven, or you're quite happy with thirty three. Thirty three worked fine. Like I was never one was like, oh, can I have this number? Can I have that? Um, yeah, the numbers don't mean anything, especially these days. It's not like one to eleven is the is the starting starting lineup anymore. Yeah, yeah, and you were I mean, you were still kind of. On the cusp, weren't you? You had sub appearances against Coventry and Wigan. Do you remember those? No, no. And then full <laughs> debut in a two-one loss to West Ham. Yeah, no memory of that either. Like <laughs> I remember, like the tra- like trained around that time and guessing into the team and feeling feeling like I should be playing. Um, I went back really fit that preseason. Like just thinking, if you you're in good shape, um, it always starts you off well. Um, and yeah, they'd gone really well. Preseason was good. Like the team was looking really strong. Um, I could see spaces in it where I thought I'd be useful. Um, just had to wait my time. And then once I was in the team, um, we, you know, the results went well, and I kept playing really. Hmm. So preseason, as someone who kind of, um, you know, you, you talked about your, your running and your fitness. Uh, you were probably a player who quite enjoyed preseason, weren't you, compared to some of your teammates? So nobody enjoys pre-season. It's just the time where you just batter your body just so that then you're in shape for the year. Um, the best pre-season we did, we did a couple under Joe where he decided that we would do eight o'clock swimming, then 10 o'clock running, and then three o'clock football. Um, and like some of the guys couldn't swim, but I was like, this is amazing. And they were like, sort of, okay, we're going to go for two lengths now. And it's like, I dive in and obviously I've done the years of swimming. So it's like two lengths is sort of 30 seconds work. Um, but it turns out it was sort of two minutes work for a lot of the guys. So by the time we got to the to the running, and then Willie took like a special group um, for wits down in the shallow end, the one that couldn't even... And it's just like, it was just bizarre. I was like, this is pre-season, and it's like, it's like when you swim at school as kids and you know, there's a little group that can't swim yet. So yeah, there were some appalling swimmers. Um, and to be fair, even the good swimmers, like, weren't particularly good so like they all knackered themselves out um by the time we got to run and by the time we were doing football training three in the afternoon um yeah most of them were on their knees so i guess it was easier to look good then when everyone else is sort of crawling <laughs> so your first goal um against gillingham in a three four three defeat do you remember that as well yeah yeah i just remember being annoyed with lost like i think it was a bit it's of a back and forth game, game. Yeah, it was a weird game and we shouldn't have lost it. Um, and I think Joe was really angry. He doesn't often get angry. I think he was really angry. Um, so, yeah, I don't remember my goal. Just remember, like, being disappointed afterwards. Just thinking, oh, well, I'd like to just, like, score a winner or something. Because every night when you play football, I don't care if you're a kid or you're a professional footballer, you sit up the night before thinking like about the goal you're going to score or how you're going to score it or and so they all go through your head but they're never they're never like a the third goal in a 4-3 loss <laughs> do you know what I mean that's not that's not how the dream runs out the night before so as much as it was good and I, like it's nice to sort of get off your mark I just remember being grumpy as everyone else was thinking um yeah like we didn't win mm. you talk about Joe being angry Joe I remember him around the training ground. I, I, I interviewed. I can't. I interviewed him once, and 
sort of on the way through from reception, he kind of stuck his head in what used to be the table tennis room and just, you know, had some a bit of banter with whoever was playing there, passed someone else, bit of banter with them. It was just constantly sort of topping up the mood the whole time. Is that how he was around you lot? Yeah. He was different every day. So he was really different. Like, he'd come in, like, he'd be really happy, he'd be really grumpy. Like, he generally was on a high and everything was positive. Um, but, yeah, he did, like, he could get, he could go, like, he, like most managers. Like, he didn't, there were certain, like, other managers he didn't like, certain referees he really didn't like. Um, and certain performances he didn't like. If you weren't doing what he wanted you to do, he wasn't happy. He wasn't happy. And it, Everyone sort of knew what they were supposed to do, so it was quite easy for him to pull you up if you weren't doing it. Um, and then, yeah, so in terms of... He was the good cop and the bad cop. Like, Willie wouldn't say anything. Willie would work on everyone as as a coach on the training field. So, like, he he wouldn't often speak, like, to a team or to everybody. It would be more individuals with Willie, like, one-on-one, like, small groups. He'd take the defenders, the attackers. But in terms of Joe, like, he would... Yeah, he would lift you up and put you down and everything in between. Um, I do probably think he was generally positive. But, yeah, there was times where you knew you didn't do what he wanted. Because, I mean, training, Willie Donaghy took training, didn't he? And and Joe tended to sort of stand on the side, didn't he? Isn't that how it tended to work with them? Yeah, Joe Joe would watch. Like, he'd have, again, moments where he'd sort of pull everyone in and talk to everyone. But, yeah, Willie took training day to day. Um, good training, like one of the mo- like some of the most enjoyable training sessions um, I had throughout my career. Really, like we did a lot of attacking play. Um, <laughs> like they just both wanted to score goals. Like some of our games, we had a six-four against Crew. Like we had three, like four-three against Gillingham. We just had goals. Like he just sort of thought, well, we had Shefkin and Bentley who were going to get twenty plus each, which doesn't often happen in the championship. It's two strikes in the same team with forty goals. Um, and he was just like, well, there's our strength. Like, let's just score more than everyone else. So we, we tried to just score. Like, we were free to run. Like, I was free to run forward and join in. Like, I had to get back. But if the play was forward, I could join in the play. Um, like, I don't think at that stage I'd ever thought about, like, protecting anyone or, like, if it was forward, you got forward. Do you know what I mean? And that was, it was nice to play in that. And it was, re- yeah, it was really fun. Like, we had some amazing results and some brilliant games. Like, an enjoyable time to watch. Watch Ipswich, I think. Well, I think so, anyway. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And you've got a goal to win a, to, to earn a point at Coventry in the January of that season, coming off the bench with Tommy Miller. Do you remember that goal as well? Yes, yeah, sl- I slightly remember that one better because it's obviously a bit more meaningful. Um, again, I'd probably just have been annoyed I didn't start. So, like, it would it would have been nice to get on. And it's more like when you st- when you score as a sub, you're not celebrating, thinking brilliant. You're you're more thinking. Should have started me. <laughs> <laughs> like honestly, you score as a sub and everyone's celebrating, everyone's really happy. But you're secretly just really happy because you're thinking, well, I should have played then, shouldn't I? Prove my point. And then you're hoping you play the next one. Um, but yeah, Tommy was a brilliant player. Like I like I like playing with Tommy. Uh, very similar to myself. Like he was a very running based player. Um, good finisher. Arrived at good times. Like balls would drop. He'd have a touch and score. And then obviously a brilliant brilliant penalty taker. Um, and then you scored an equaliser away at Sheffield United live on Sky to, to help us into the, probably our last successful match on Sky um, <laughs> to get us into the playoffs. Right, so I do remember this one clearly because it was right in front of the Ipswich fans and they'd put the Ipswich fans, that 
the lower tier, I don't know why, they were obviously repairing it or something. So there was no one in the lower tier. And I remember just pictures of this where I'm celebrating to nobody. <laughs> and everyone's like, why is he so excited to be celebrating to nobody? And it's not because everyone's up in the top tier. So there's all the Ipswich fans and it's right in front of them. Um, and it's brilliant. I didn't have too many goals like this where I was slid through and the goalie's gone really big and really early. Um, like Schmeichel style, but left a massive gap between his legs. And I see goals where you just shoot and it goes through the goalie's leg. But there are ones where I saw um, so there's a Michael Owen on Soccer Box where he actually talks about how it's one of his favourite finishes and he waits for him to open his leg and he puts the ball through the goalie. Well, I was never that good and I never really thought like that. Um, <laughs> but this time I did, like he just came really big um, and it was quite an obvious one just to roll it between his legs sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed that goal and it was in front of our fans. And I think I just went a bit mental, like I just started screaming. But like it was just because I enjoyed it. And at the time, Ipswich and Sheffield United like hated each other. It was like more of a rival than probably anyone else, even the Norwich at the time. And Joe also hated, might be the wrong word, but didn't like Neil Warnock. <laughs> um, so there was like the battle of, you don't like Neil Warnock, we hate Sheffield United, I'm in front of the Ipswich fans, like it's just a cool goal to score and it all sort of, I just went nuts because it was just a good one to to do, and then obviously I know that the manager's going to be happy with me because he's, he likes he like a scoring against Sheffield United, and it was just good. Like it was one of my favourite goals um, in terms of what it meant, um, and like you said, it helped us into the playoffs. And then we come come to the playoffs. Um, West Ham, Darren Bent puts us one 0 up in the first leg. Do you remember the first leg well? No, like it's a blur. So the playoffs are a massive blur just for the fact that. They were early in my career and by that point of the season, I was shattered. Like it was the end of the, my first season and it was just like, it'd just be nuts. Um, and I think I remember someone asking me if I was tired. I was like, oh no, I'm fine. Because you're not going to go, no, I don't want to play at Upton Park or you're never not going to want to play. Um, and Pardew again was a manager that Joe didn't particularly like. Neither did we. Unless you were his team, he wasn't a likeable manager. Um, they were a very good team like I don't know if you've got their team but their team was strong and I only realised recently when I read it back how, how quite quite a strong team that they had like I think Michael Carrick played in that game mm. and Matthew Etherington had scored in the way leg didn't he and Christian Daly was in that team um, yeah it was it was a it was a Premier League team wasn't it really in, in, in waiting at that point I think um, yeah and yeah yeah. the home game home game I just remember it being a particularly tough game like I don't think I played I remember coming away from it not being happy how I personally played, although the result was okay. Um, and then I remember the training and then building it up to being like how it was going to be a massive game. Um, and yeah, it really was at their place. Like Upton Park, that's probably the first time I went somewhere and was like, wow, this is quite quite tasty, really. Like there was a lot of people there. Um, they were just mental that night. Um, it was, and we and we didn't like we didn't play well, um, and yeah, we lost it at their place, didn't we? Um, yeah. And then I had a volley. I remember this because this is just people have reminded me this forever and still do. I don't know, but I had a volley in the last few minutes. It comes out to me. I have a touch and volley, and it's as good a volley as I've hit, and it hits sort of like the crossbar and the post at the same time, and comes out. And I get. I think on away goals, I think that's probably enough for us to go through, isn't it? So like, I went. And, and personally, like this sounds silly, but at that point I hadn't got a new contract, I don't think. Um, and the 
the bonuses for that season, if you go into the Premiership, were pro rata. And I think, like, even at that stage, I hadn't worked it out. But then afterwards, I think it was, I don't know what it was, but it was per game. And I think I played in, like, a high percentage of games. So I was like, well, I think my brother or someone had gone, do you know that you would have won? And I was like, no, I don't. But that's not cheered me up. Like, we we <laughs> We just got knocked out. I'm not a premiership player. And now you're just telling me that I could have had a load more money. So like that was just like a really depressing summer, to be honest. Um, yeah. And then but to top yeah. it off, I don't know if you know, but we they actually bricked our window um, after the game. So the West Ham fans threw a brick through our window. And then they reckon it was going to be three hours by the time they came and fixed it. So we drove home down the A12 with like just a smashed window. So there was just like... <laughs> cold air blowing in the bus for like the most depressing journey home from from West Ham you've ever you've ever seen on a team bus and bizarrely we said goodbye and we didn't see each other till pre-season that night it was just done see you later it was really odd it was like oh, yeah we didn't do it bye see you in we'll send out a letter about see you in June it was really like it was a really weird end to the well sad end into the season mm-hmm. yeah because it's yes real anti-climax to, to the whole season losing and then yeah, the journey back and then just sort of go parting. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it, to kind of cope with defeat in that way, really, isn't it? What do you do? <laughs> but you, of course, you did, although there's a team you didn't have much to celebrate, um, you won Player of the Year. Yes, which was nice. Um, but, like, again, it just comes off the back of not, like, I think I got that award before the playoffs, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, it would so have been a high then, It was brilliant. And, but then that all just blurs into nothingness when you don't achieve anything so it was like yes that's a good personal achievement um and it was it was brilliant and the do was nice and everything like that and then you just get knocked out of west ham and you your brother tells you you should have had more money and you <laughs> couldn't do the premiership and it was cold coming home and then you don't say goodbye you just sort of disappear and it just sort of you, you forget about that like you don't think oh i had a good season you just think we didn't do what and every week it was we would this is what we were going for we were going to get promoted so it all just isn't really worth anything at the end of it. Like you didn't do what you set up to do. Rich? It's, um, it's, it's interesting to hear the context behind your side of the memories. As a sport, I remember that West Ham night being really nasty as a, as a spectator as well. And we've talked about that um, crossbar slash post moment a few times as well. It's one of those, as supporters, you look back and think these marginal moments that went the wrong way for us. But but we we do regroup and come back even stronger for the 0405 season. Um, and it's interesting to you that we kind of, everyone was left to, to get on with it and, and back we come, but we, you know, start the season reasonably well. And I, again, there's this moment that Phil has purposefully asked me to remind you of, and it may be one that you don't recall, but League Cup tie against Brentford, Lewis Price in goal is about to score. And I think you maybe just make sure it gets over the line for him. That's never getting over, never getting over the line. Never, not. No, unfortunately, I don't. All I remember is that it's not getting over the line and it's one more goal on my record. And no, so I don't care. Um, <laughs> goal bonus, yeah. Like at the time, the ball was going towards the goal and you, you don't. I don't particularly know if there's anyone around me or behind me and I'm just making sure we score. Afterwards, <laughs> I looked at it and just think, I could have had a look probably even if there was anyone shielded it and let Pricey score, but... Um, yeah, it wasn't to be. Got it, <laughs> <laughs> we, we obviously wish you yeah. all the best as well. Um, yeah. 
yeah for his recovery and um but yeah that's uh, phil was very bitter about that one I, I i can't remember that one so um i don't think i was i don't think i was an ipswich at that point but, but what i do remember though is um we we kind of alluded to it earlier on um there's, there's this kind of run of goals scoring that you go on kind of part way through the season and it's arriving at the box at the right time you mentioned it before you know is that something that you purposely worked on and improved on because there are goals here against Leicester and Watford there's a 5-1 against Sheffield United where you just appear in the box in exactly the right place pull back and it's I'm not going to say it's a tap-in but you know these are finishes that happen quite routinely for you is it something that you worked on as an individual and as a team? So we did a lot of finishing in training. Um, and the arriving on time, it's it's a skill similar to any other sort of skill. Um, like, like you can practice a step over, you can practice, you know, your first touch, di- different things. It's just a skill. Um, and it's a skill that suited me. One, I could run. Um, and two, when the play's on the other side of the pitch, it, I, it was easy for me to know when things are going to happen. Like, I know it sounds strange, but, like, if you watch, and I'm not comparing myself to good, like, Conte or anyone like that, but if you watch Conte play and when he picks up second balls, and the way you just see, like, two defenders or go up for a header, and he picks the second ball up every time, and they're like, oh, he's just so good. He just, you know, the ball just drops to him, or he's just faster, or he's not... It, he It's how he reads it. So I can... And it sounds really simple, and you, and you think... Why can't everyone do it? And you see ones where there's someone struggling and they're just about to cross the ball and keep it in. Well, you know that that cross is only going to the near post because the guy's falling over as he's crossing it. And so you have to make a run to the near post because that's the place, the only place the ball's going to be. Um, and then again, the relationship of having played the year before with probably this very similar team, you know there were times where if people had time, they'd cut the ball back. So you'd arrive onto the penalty spot instead of running through the six-yard box because everyone else, like, like they were worried about our strikers. So there was a little bit of space. So they'd drop slightly deeper and the ball could be pulled back and you'd have like a, I don't know, 15-yard, 10-yard, like like you say, tapping. But they're not always the easiest when they're coming back to you. Like, no. like just you, you're more just controlling them because the pace is normally on the cross and you've just got to put it, direct it to corners. Um, so yeah, it was a skill that I liked. I could see where balls were dropping um, I could see when to come and get on the end of things. Um, yeah, just like just end like another skill of having a. Some people have a good delivery on corners. Some people have you know good first touch. It's just like that. It's just it's just a skill one that suited me that I could one that I could do. <laughs> Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with Talksport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wes Burns running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You in? 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And there's a really um there's a really neat goal after 40 seconds at Leicester where there's a I think Ben goes in for a for a shot, it rebounds out to you and you're on the edge and you dink it over the goalkeeper and two players on the line. Do you remember remember that one? I kind of think as a footballer like what is going through your mind apart from get it on target, I guess is that is it that simple? So I remember two things. One, my best mate's a Leicester fan and he was at Leicester University and his dad was a Leicester fan and used to drive from Clapton every week up to Leicester to watch him play. So I knew that they were there. Um, <laughs> so I was desperate to score. And at that point, like you said, I'd on a run of games where I was very confident. And you're just a different player when you're confident. So all this has happened and it sort of, I think it bounces in front of me. Um, and like you said, there's lots of people all doing things in front of me, but the keeper doesn't seem to be there and they're just defenders. So my main thing was, just height so you, instead of being flat you just had to loop it so that it would sort of drop into the goal um and yeah at the time like it was just sort of okay drop it over their heads side foot volley and it's not it was like when you're confident things are good like things just become clearer um and easier and i just remember i remember it being particularly easy and like you said i have that's one i've seen back and i thought well that's quite a good finish <laughs> didn't know i could do that but like at the time it, it wasn't um yeah, it, did, it didn't seem anything particularly tricky, although it was sort of a trickier finish. And then I remember afterwards going to see my mate in the players' lounge thinking this would be brilliant because um, it's my best mate's team and he just scored against them. Uh, he was 10 minutes late, so he, he didn't know that I'd scored until after. Oh, no, he, was, it. he didn't even know he scored the first goal. He was like, oh, I thought it was 1-0. Um, so, yeah, they all missed it. So it was, wasn't oh. worth it anyway. <laughs> no, never mind. At least we got. I think we got a point. We got point a point. Day. It's a tough place to go. You walk a stadium. Yeah. Wasn't good, uh, yeah, it's good to get a point there. I mean, you meant we mentioned the kind of goal scoring run. There's an England under twenty one call up that precedes that run. Where I think you purposefully choose not to go to the camps, don't you, and to focus on your league form. Is that right? Can you talk us through that? Yeah. So Joe said to me, "I think you should stay and just concentrate because I'd gone on a couple." Um, and they take quite a big squad and I hadn't played um, I hadn't played in any of them like just was a squad member in the stand so like, I'd gone to sort of strange I can't remember even where I went but we travelled away and sat in the stand travelled away sat in the stand and, and look like, the players were brilliant and I thought to myself like I'm not playing like I knew that I wasn't going to play like I was going there to be and weirdly in training like, they were a nice bunch of lads like very very good players um, and like I, I just I was fitting quite well with the lads. Like we did, like they were table tennis tournaments that I was good at. Um, Jermaine Pennant was there, Colin Cole, Dean Ashton. Like like the squad was ridiculous. Um, 
and like just silly things like I remember this because you don't remember many things when you go to the twenty ones. Like it's quite an experience. So we were just doing like the silly people where it's just sort of you're in a circle and there's two in the middle and you try and do it. And they and they, England they were trying to do it differently slightly where they put one person in the middle with the two attackers and you got a point every time you combined off the middle person. So you the two in the middle are just trying to get it back and it normally just goes around the edges and occasionally through the two. Um, but this one, you were trying to get it into the middle to get a point as well. Like, quite a cool drill. Like, haven't really done it since. But anyway, um, and I just put the bib behind my back so that they thought I was the guy in the middle. So they passed me the ball and I just sort of chucked him and was out of the circle. And like, just little things, like just messing around. Um, and Peter Taylor was the manager and he just sort of said, oh, like, we need people like you. It's good to have characters around the dressing room. Like, and I would just messed around a lot, really. Um, and he seemed to like it. And so I think I was going to get called up to be part of the squad and be a good character around the place. Um, and then when Joe said, look, we really want to concentrate and get promoted this year, blah, blah, blah. I sort of thought to myself, look, it's nice to be a good character. But like my manager here wants me here more. I'm never playing there. So maybe Joe's right. Um, and to be honest, until now, I've never looked back on it and thought, oh, should I have just kept going or... Um, yeah, if you ask me now, I still don't know really if it was right or wrong. But yeah, Joe wanted me there. And to be honest, I was getting paid from Ipswich and he was the boss. And he'd always, he'd never said anything to me that I'd ever, ever doubt. Like he'd always looked after me, I thought. And like, I just thought if he said, look, it's best to stay here, then it's best to stay here. So I just, that's what, that's what I did. And I, and I think that the timing kind of works out because I think those call-ups are around October time. And then that run of goal scoring form that we talk about happens almost straight afterwards, doesn't it? So I guess there is a performance benefit that yeah. comes from it perhaps that you can you can see but yeah, yeah i agree maybe like like i said joe i don't joe ever did anything that would like he was always trying to help me and trying to push me on so like it was only if he did it it was for a reason and that's i think why i probably just said at the time yeah let's do it yeah you're the boss indeed and he's got that wisdom isn't he of you know you're still quite young at this point aren't you i think he's 2021 at this point as well so yeah, yeah. a lot of choices and you know mo big moments to be put in at such a young age and None, none bigger than facing off to Karen Pickering <laughs> in a swim off and a penalty shootout. Um, how did this come about? This is a strange one. Yeah, so I'll get sick for this because apparently this is the only story that I ever tell anyone. Like I never talk about football or anything <laughs> I did. I'm just just talk about this swimming. Um, it it was bizarre. Jim had gone on a fun run with Karen Pickering preseason. No, no, before pre-season. Then we come back pre-season, the Commonwealth Games were on, and we're sitting. We'd done our morning swim. We'd done our 10 o'clock run. And then we were sitting after lunch uh, at Holbrook School. And we had, like, our own little dormitory thing where we just sat and watched telly and got a massage and waited to do our football in the afternoon. So we're sitting there, and he's gone, oh, that's Karen Pickering. I did a fun run with her. She's from Ipswich. I was like, oh, that's nice. Like, I'd beat her. And the boy... <laughs> The boys absolutely hammered me. They were like, they weren't happy about it at all. Because um, also, I was obviously young at the time, and they thought I was a bit chirpy anyway. I think because um, I, I wasn't chirpy, but like, I just thought I generally had an opinion on most things, um, and not everyone is a big fan of that. But so I had my, especially when they're senior pros and you know know your place. Um, so I, yeah, I had an opinion on things, and then when I perked, like sort of chirped in and said I would beat and a commonwealth or olympic swimmer they weren't um yeah they weren't having it really um so then i thought nothing more of it like they hammered me a bit and blah blah, blah. 
And then like a few weeks later, she she rocks up with her medals, like Commonwealth medals, I don't think Olympic, but what like the medals that she's won, which is an amazing career. She was a brilliant swimmer. Um, she rocks up to the training ground with Jim and then sort of says, oh, you think you can beat me then? <laughs> and Jim's there and all the boys are there and I'm just thinking, oh, they're waiting just to like, and Jim set it all up just to get me sort of thing. And I assume they all think, oh, now this is the point where he backs down and sort of says, oh, no, I was... And I just said, yeah. Well, I, think, <laughs> I think over a short distance, because um, obviously she was along 400 metres, so like she did longer distances, um, I said, yeah, over, like, yeah, yeah, just over a sprint. Yeah, probably take, probably take you. Um, <laughs> and then half of them laugh and half of them are just sort of gobsmacked. And it's just a bit awkward for a minute. Um, and then I was like, well, show me the medals anyway. So then we looked for her medals, which was nice. Um, and it was all sort of quite thing. And then Jim's like egging it on going, oh, well, let's go, let's go and swim and race. And I don't know how it comes about, but I, we agreed to a race. Um, and then, yeah, there's some sort of race where, Sky Sports then get hold of it, and then it's yes, live on Sky Sports. And the, the, the most annoying thing is it gets on Sky Bet, <laughs> and no one tells me because I would have had all my wages on me winning that race on Sky Bet. Like, and I think I had terrible odds. And this is the guy where he goes, Oh, and I think he's done a bit of water polo at England schools. This is this, this, that's where this quote's come from. Um, and yeah, it's just really, and it's one of my best moments also because he then says. Because I had a big dressing gown on, and before swimming races, you often wore like a like a robe sort of thing. But I just had this, and there on the Sky Sports, there's a quote saying Ian West, or he says, "Oh, and I've just seen Ian Westlake walking around looking like Rocky Balboa in his <laughs> dressing gown." And no one's ever described me as Rocky Balboa before, so I was sort of chuffed just with that. Um, and the penalty bit, I didn't know anything about the penalty bit because obviously I was playing in the game, so I couldn't yeah. do penalties at half time. I think after I beat her. They sort of, I don't know how it worked, but they were like, oh, you know, she can get her own back and take some penalties or something. So then that was sort of like, I think, a bit of an afterthought. Um, but yeah, the race was fun. Like I, yeah, won comfortably. Five, <laughs> yeah. Um, was it f five, 53, one hundredths of a second? Yeah, like half yeah. a second. Half a second. Like, yeah. Over 50 metres, it's quite a lot. Yeah. Well, it's five point one two two one seconds. There you go. Yeah. To be but, fair, if we'd done a third length, you'd have beaten me. I was on my knees at that point. Like, <laughs> I'd given it everything. I was going to um, say, I bet that didn't shut up, Jim, though, did it? No, no, of course it doesn't. Nothing <laughs> you can't shut him up. It's impossible. But um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was fun. Like, I did love it. And she got me, like, a really cool um, Speedo suit. And I've still got it somewhere with Westy on it and Speedo. Like, oh, on the nice. Like, so, like, at the time, I think they're banned now. It's one of like the they set all the Olympic records. They banned the suits because they were too fast. Um, so yeah, it's quite cool. I've got that tucked away upstairs. So oh, nice, nice, nice to have that as well. Positive memory because going back to the football, I mean, there's it's another playoff defeat to West Ham. It's kind of a flip round because we have a really good performance at Upton Park and get the come back from two 0 down and draw two, and then we don't really show up, do we, for the for the no. second leg? And again, it's Pardew. Um, who gets to celebrate? I mean, what was? Do you have any recollection of that one? Was it similar feelings, I guess, to the previous season, but even more disappointing because we've been top of the league for quite a while, haven't we? They were better in they were better in the playoffs, and we didn't. I took the defeat for the playoffs. Like we knew, I not knew we were going to lose, but like you could feel it wasn't right. They they beat us and they beat us well at half place, and it was disappointing. Um, they knew how to play us. They 
they'd go man to man on Jim and they'd stop stop us playing and Jim used to make everything tick. So Pardew would ruin Jim and then they'd make us play difficult, difficult way of playing. Um but we should have just got in the top three. Like that was where we killed it. Like it was it, like the disappointment was not finishing second. It was mm. nothing to do with losing in the playoffs. Like we should have been in the top two that year. That was our best chance. We were good. Like we were really good at points of that season. We had like that yeah. run before Christmas, and then after Christmas, we had sort of tougher. We didn't we didn't do as well after Christmas, but we were still there or thereabouts. And I think it was Wigan, wasn't it? Wigan, um, yeah, that one away like, game. Um, and who did they have? Ellington they had, and Roberts. Ellington and Roberts. They had two yeah. strikes. Like, and we had Benty and Shefki, and it was like, yeah. And then who was the other team? Was it Sunderland? Yeah. yeah. Sunderland. Sunderland, yeah. Sunderland managed by Mick McCarthy and Wigan managed by Paul Jewell. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't know that till now. Well, yeah. Yeah, they were tough. And it was like a Jimmy Bullard. Like, that was a good Wigan side. But they were good teams. But, like, just felt like we should have done it that season. Like uh, there were points in that season where we were we were really going well. I know we had some we had some losses that against weaker teams. Yeah, yeah. Go, going. VR, I think were the two. Sort yeah, of, there was two, two defeats felt. in a week, wasn't there against what? Two two bad ones, and I remember Joe being <laughs> not happy those weeks. Yeah, um, like really ripping into us, like. And we threw it away like in a really short period. There was, like you said, it's, there must have been those two. Like I don't remember the game specifically. I just remember like a real down bit, and then not really ever going in the playoffs. Like we just felt like it was promotion automatic or bust, and we hadn't quite. And when you get West Ham again, and I think they were probably late into the playoffs. We were third, were we? And mm-hmm. they were. And the team that finishes sixth in the playoffs, the amount of times they get through it because they just come in with a bit of momentum and. So, yeah. And I think then West Ham get promoted that year, do they? Yeah, they so, did. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And there was a game at Leeds, wasn't there, right at the end of the season, I think, when I think if we'd have, that would probably have got us, um, I don't think it was the last week of the season, but it was the penultimate week. I think that would have given us a bigger chance of finishing in the, the top two. And I think Darren Curry missed a chance right at the end. And, right uh, in the last, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Like they, they all sort of come flooding back now that you yeah. like, oh, Sorry, no waves of disappointment. <laughs> oh, no. Um yes, they were yeah, like that was a I think the other one hurt more because I feel like we were on an up going into the other one. Whereas yeah. that one I felt like we were already on a down going into it. I know it sounds silly because you're in the playoffs, but like I felt we'd lost I felt like we'd lost second automatically. And then, then playing the playoff after that would, is just harder. Um, I think that often happens. That team that just miss out, it's hard to pick yourself up and go. Like you sort of, you, there were points where I think we thought we'd done it that year. Like we were really good. Um, and then yeah, obviously, games just slipped away. Yeah, mm. I think we felt exactly the same. Phil, back to you. And you, you mentioned sort of the end of the previous season, everyone just drifting away at the end of the season. Players literally drifted away at the end of that season, didn't they? Benty went, um, Shefki went, Tommy Miller went, Kelvin Davis went. Um, yeah, the, the heart was ripped out of that team, wasn't it, really? Yes. And, yeah, Joe was, Joe was cross about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it was difficult. And, 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 like, it was difficult because the players that came in then didn't really stand a chance. That was what was a killer. Like, players came in, um, like, we had Sam Parker and Nicky Forster come in that summer. Both nice guys and good footballers. Um, 
But like they were coming in against Bentley and Shefki, and I just think like whatever they'd done, they weren't going to live up to Bentley and Shefki. Like people love both of them for different reasons. One's an academy boy who's going to go on and play for England and is just rapid and goal machine. And like people love Bentley for what he was. And Shefki was like a cult hero with his big dive and he's like, he wasn't a wonderful footballer, but he was just like what he did was brilliant. And for those two seasons, he was just on fire. Like he was pushing people. He was running through three of them. He was smashing. He smashed the volley in. But if you told me Shefki would ever score a goal like that, you'd have gone no, like, no chance. Like Jim called him trampoline foot because when you passed to him, it bounced off him. Like he couldn't control it. Like, but it wasn't like Shefki was a beast and he was unbelievable for us. Like unbelievable. Like I mean, you could have. There were times where the form he was on and how he was playing, you'd have picked him over over any centre forward I played with him for those periods. But sometimes you looked at him and you just thought, how? Like he's massive. Like he's too big. He's too strong. Um, how he runs for ninety minutes. Um, but yeah, he was just awesome. And then, so, so they leave. And then I just think, like, I felt sorry for Fozzie and Sam Parkin because they were really good players, like, really good players. And in training and things, you thought good. But, like, within a few games, like, not on his back, but, like, you just didn't feel like they were the same. Like, Fozzie plays on the shoulder and is offside a lot. That's just how he is. I'm sure the fans remember him being offside a lot. But he went after us. He went to Brighton and scored like both loads of goals and then went on from that and scored loads of goals. He plays on the shoulder and he might be offside five times, but then he'll get you a goal on the sixth and he's a deep, like, good, good player. Um, and I just remember after like the first couple of games, um, people were groaning like every time he was offside. Oh, like, and it was like, he's not Bentley. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, and it was a little bit of that. And then Sam Parkin, I remember people groaning when like, he's not getting up and winning the header. Like, he was like, oh, big man. But he wasn't a big man who was going to win headers. Like, he was really technical. Like, he liked the ball into his feet. He'd link play. Um, but I think people thought, oh, we signed a big guy who just flicks the ball on sort of thing. Like, Shefki would win every header, wouldn't he, when it came back, bash people around. Like, that wasn't Sam. So then there was a little bit of when I felt for Sam slightly, where people were like, oh, he hasn't won a header. And I just felt like your team, and especially teams under Joe, everything was about your strikers. He was a striker. He set the team up to score goals. He loved his strikers. Um, and I just felt that that period was just a bit sticky, really. Just like it, it was never going to work. Like we, the fan, like people didn't take to them like they did Benji and Shefki. Um, they weren't ever going to be the same as them. And I think people were looking for him to be the same. Hmm. And eventually, of course, he brought in Alan Lee, didn't he, halfway through that season, who became a bit more of a, a bit of a cult hero himself, didn't he? And he sort of helped rescue that season because it was, it was really. I don't think there was ever any danger of relegation, was there? But it, it was a season that was kind of treading water, wasn't it, really? Yeah, like a transition one, really. Like players, lots of new players came in and he was filling out some youngsters. And um, like, I think he know, knew himself from what we'd lost, that we weren't ready to be a playoff team again that year. Um, it was one where it wasn't fun. Like we'd had two years where it was like, all I'd known at that point was like brilliant football goals galore, um, really positive dressing room. And then at that point, there were some frustrated people in the dressing room, the ones who'd stayed. Um, they were like, the fans, you could feel the fans were just frustrated. You could feel it like they'd lost like their favourite players um, and they don't, they weren't in love with the ones that had come in. Um, yeah, and then like I said, Alan Lee picked us up a little bit. I remember, I remember when Alan Lee signed, it was funny because I didn't know, like I wasn't, 
I always like watching football, but probably Premiership football, stuff like that. So I didn't know a lot about Alan and I looked him up on the internet. And at the time, it just sort of said like, um, like 10 red cards. Um, he come from Cardiff. I was like, this is just a beast. Like, who are we signing? And I was expecting like this guy to turn up like that just looked like a baddie in a film or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, now what we do with like his long hair and his like soft Irish accent? And you're like, what? <laughs> who gets like 10 red cards coming from and I was like this is bizarre um, he wasn't at all like what I pitched him to be like and like you said like he did really well um, as soon as he came in like hit the ground running and then had that connection and I know it's like I don't know if it's, they were just relieved that there was another striker coming but straight away the fans were behind him um, and that can make and break people so quickly um, like I think the other two did feel like they were um, against it a little bit from, from the outset Um so, yeah, I think he came in and it changed the atmosphere. And like you said, the season got a bit better after that. Mm, mm. And, um, and then in the summer, I think we finished 15th and then, and then Joe moved on. Joe leaves, yeah. And then I think uh, as, and Jim, of course, decided he was going to leave at the end of the season. So we all had leaving parties and handshakes and goodbye <laughs> and views. And then by the time we get to, what, the end of July, Jim's the manager. <laughs> Yeah, in the dressing room. Strange, like really strange, because Jim, like going from a player to a manager is really difficult. Um, and then pre-season was okay, and that's when I left after that pre-season. Yeah. Um, Jim, like I always got on with Jim. I like Jim. I like playing with him. I think he was good. Um, I don't know if I could have played under him. Um, I think it was a combination of both. Like he didn't, like I wasn't ever trying to leave. Like the move came out of a blue. Um, like, I didn't know it was happening. Um, and Jim was, I think Jim was happy with it. Like, he was happy to have players that hadn't he hadn't been in the dressing room with. Um, and that's, yeah, and I wasn't feeling great in the in the preseason of just how it generally was. Um, I wasn't quite sure how, like, what we were going to do or how we were going to play it. So I just, the move came. Jim said, I think it was like Jim wanted, was happy for me to go. Um, so how did it work? So because so, he, um, Jim wanted um, Dan Harding, didn't he, from from Leeds? And so did Leeds come in for you first? And and Jim said, "Oh, we'd quite like Dan Harding." Or was it the other way around? Jim was like wanted a left back all the preseason. He's like, "That's it. I need a left back. I need a left back. I want to change the left back." So I was like, "Fine." Um, and I think they went in for Dan, and they said, "Okay," but we they wanted me as part of the deal and then it ended up um that they said that Leeds ended up paying for me and the, so they gave it was Dan and money for me um and they called me in and just said look we had a really good offer we want the left back um like you can go sort of thing if you want to go so I said I was in the office I was really sad like a bit emotional I was sitting there with Brian and Jim um and I just didn't, like, I hadn't thought about it. I didn't know it was coming. Um, like, I was sort of a bit dumbstruck and just went out and just rang my agent and just said, what's happening? He just, I think he just said, and it was my uncle's wedding the next day. So I had to miss my uncle's wedding because they want me to drive up and do the medical. So I felt a bit bad, really. I was an usher. So I was like, oh, sorry, I can't come anymore. So then I drove up to Leeds. Um, yeah, had a medical and then signed for Leeds. Job done. Big club to join. I mean, that's obviously it sounds as if you're a little bit reluctant, but obviously it's an enormous, it's a, it's a, it's a sort of a step up in terms of clubs. But other than the fact that you're a local boy who's come through the ranks, 
yeah, I'm local. It hadn't crossed my mind. I wasn't thinking of leaving. Um, yeah, it was like I, I wasn't. I hadn't been thinking. Oh, I'm leaving this summer, sort of thing. I just thought, oh, we'll get the team better again, and then we'll get promoted. Like I just only ever thought of it because I'd only ever been here from eleven, and that was just all I thought about. Um, so yeah, just yeah, went up there, had a medical. It was really weird. Like they'd been in the playoffs um, the year before. And they were desperate to get promoted the next season. And I went in and it was like Steve Stone, Robbie Blake, like David Healy. And I didn't realise like it was just like nothing I'd ever seen before. Like not like Ipswich at all. Um, just odd. Just really odd. Like there were massive like sections of the dressing room that they sat with them and they sat with them. And um, new boys over there. Um, it was odd. It wasn't like the the sort of when I come through with Benty and Richo, we had like Bowditch, we had like a, the young guys, um, but like the pros were always trying to help you. John McGrill was really helpful. Vino, like they were young, but they were all sort of, although you're there to take their job in a way, but most of them sort of want to help you along the way. You went, I went into Leeds and I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is really weird. Like really weird. Not like what, what I'd been at before. You made your debut in a 1-0 win over Norwich, which obviously must have... Uh... Must have pleased an Ipswich, uh, Ipswich boy. Um, so what was it like? So, it, yes, you, you talk about um, it being a slightly different atmosphere. Quite a lot of managers you worked under, at least, didn't you? I think Kevin Blackwell was the first manager, was he? Kevin Blackwell, um, who was nice, brought me in, obviously. Like, liked him. Um, and I was going to play. And there was Eddie Johnson, an American guy who played on the left. And he, he wanted me to play on the left. And he said, look, we're Eddie's coming to the end of his time here, we're gonna, you're going to play on the left. So fine, um, played against Norwich, came on, did quite well. Richard Naylor had called me up and just said, mate, just smash someone. He, 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 yeah. <laughs> He's like, Leeds fans are nuts. They just want like people to try their best. You're going to fit in perfectly. Just smash someone and the fans will love it. So I made sure I smashed someone. Fans cheered, happy days, like played well. Um, thought, here we go, this is okay. Um yeah, first game, ticking the box, no problem. And then, turns out, none of the players liked the manager. And I hadn't been in this situation before. And the players were going to get the manager sacked one way or another. Like, they just didn't, like, it, the relationship didn't really work. Um, and, yeah, it was quite toxic and just weird. And I didn't, like, enjoy it to start with at all. And I was like, this is... And there was a young Jermaine Beckford there who they just signed. I think he used to work for the RAC. Um, and he played for like Haven at Waterloo or some like non-league uh, team, and like they wouldn't even talk to him. They didn't think he was good enough to be there, and it was just really toxic. It was just really odd. He's the nicest guy you've ever met, Jermaine. Like, what comes in the morning, shakes everyone's hand, says hello, and like it just was like he was just so unwelcome. I was just like, why? Because he'd come from wherever he come. From. I don't know. It was just really odd how you didn't you fit or you didn't fit. Um, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't fun that first period and then played a few more games was going okay um played at qpr had a few and then um i'd injured my ankle in ipswich the year before i'd had sort of a decent time off with um ligaments in my ankle and then i did my ankle again and then i was in a boot for most of the rest of that season um which is frustrating and then we and then we get relegated in that season the manager gets sacked um ipswich relegators i was there and we we like the the Leeds fans charge on the pitch, um, yeah. And I like like I said, I haven't played really anything because I'm in this boot. Um, and I was just like, at oh, the end of that season, I was like, what has gone on? That's just been the worst year of my life. Like, 
moved up here, haven't really settled. Like, I don't know if there was two managers at that point or three. Like, managers kept changing. Um, John Carver. David Geddes had a period as manager, didn't he? Town wow. legend. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, we did really... Yeah, he had a go. Um, it, honestly, it was it was the biggest shambles ever of, like, these senior pros who were too powerful, um, managers just coming and going. And, yeah, the performances weren't good enough. A lot, And me, I was injured and sort of just hanging out, hiding with the physios while all this is going on, thinking this has got to end at some point. Um, Dennis, Dennis Wise came in. And then, yeah, Dennis Wise came in, got rid of all of them. <laughs> just said, I'm not having any of this. And Wisey is, Wisey to me is an absolute legend. Um, and Gus Puyat came in, who's even more of a legend. And Gus, like, joined in in five sides and was the best player I've ever played with. He, I don't care that he'd retired at that point. He was just unreal. Like, you talk about timings of runs. In five sides, he'd just arrive. But the ball would always be in the air. And he'd just do, like, volleys for fun. Like, technically, he was just unreal, Gus. I was like, just, it was a privilege just to even be in a five-a-side team with him. Um, so, so Wisey came in. We got minus 15 points because we'd gone into administration. And Wisey just sort of said, FA hate us. All the, like, the Leeds, hate, the Leeds fans hated him because he was Chelsea. They had this song, like, Chelsea scum. So he's like, the fans hate me. The FA hate us. The league hates us. Everyone hates us. It's us sitting in this room against the world, pretty much. Um, and it was the best, like, most enlightening moment. And we all just sort of went, yeah, like, let's go. And I think we won the first God knows how many games. We were just on fire. We went from minus 15 points to, like, halfway up the table in no time. Um, and up until Christmas, I loved that. Like, absolutely flying. Um, and then Mike Ashley buys Newcastle and offers Wisey loads of money to go and be the director of football at Newcastle. Like, and he offers him loads of money, and he just said, he comes in and says, guys, like, we're away at South End, we're on the team bus, and he said, guys, I'm really sorry, but I've been offered, like, a really good thing somewhere else. Can't hang around. Like, I've got to do it for my family. Um, and we were getting promoted. We'd have been, we'd have gone from minus 15 points to winning the league that year, easy. Jermaine Beckford was on fire. The whole team was just like, whatever wise he said, we were all together. Um, and it was good. It was brilliant. Like, that was the best time at Leeds, just those sort of August to December with Wisey. Um, and then, yeah, he just said on the bus, see you later. Hmm. Um, and then that was it. He literally got off the bus. That was a Friday night game. I think it was Thursday we drove down. He got off the bus and went home. And then we had the director of football took the game on the, on the Friday night at South, South End. And then Gary McAllister came in and then I didn't fit with Gary McAllister at all. And then that was pretty much the end of me at Leeds. I went out on loan a couple of times, but I just, I wasn't going to play under Gary McAllister, simple as that. So that was it at Leeds. And then, then I had, yeah, off on loan. Yeah, so you had plenty of loan spells, didn't you? Brighton, Cheltenham. You joined Cheltenham on a permanent basis, didn't you, as well, I think? Yeah, Cheltenham was cool, like just a cool manager. So everyone called him Mad Dog, but it was Martin Allen. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, wow. I just loved, just loved him. Like, he was just good. Like, he did. He was odd. He was weird. Like, we'd go on away trips and he'd bring his dog on the bus with us. Like, he used, his dog used to come everywhere with us. Um, again, a bit like Wisey, like, would build, like, just a really good team morale. So, like, Joe did it differently and it was fun. Like, I, at the time, you didn't really think about it. But afterwards, you look back and just see how the managers built the teams. Um, and, yeah, Martin did it in a bit of a, like, a us-against-them sort of scenario as well. Um, and use the sort of outside sources to sort of bring us all together. 
but yeah, it was fun. Like I enjoyed Cheltenham. Um, I enjoyed Brighton. Enjoyed Oldham. Joe Royal. I was back with Joe for Oldham for a little bit. Um, yeah, just sort of. Unfortunately, like uh, it sort of fizzled out along with like lots of the same ankle getting injured and probably not being able to play to the level that I used to, um, and then having some weird things with weird like some odd times with managers. But it's just sort of like drifted, and then. I went over to Montreal, which was quite fun at the end. Um, and then, yeah, came back quite young. But my wife was pregnant, having our first child, like, like I said, with ankles and things. Just wasn't really enjoying it as much. Couldn't do what I used to do. Like, I could still play, but not to the same level and train every day as hard as I could. I just have aches and pains that I wasn't really enjoying. Um, and then, yeah, so just sort of said, that would do. Back here now. Um and yeah, lived in Ipswich ever since, which has been quite nice. <laughs> Rich? And, and a bit of time we need a market as well, though. So didn't didn't officially hang up the boots, albeit at a lower level. Did, did that rekindle any of the, the enjoyment? Because as we talked about, you've had quite a whirlwind career, didn't you? And went through quite a lot of ups and downs through that time. And was, were you able to enjoy that and need them? Yes. So I thought I was going, I was going there to hate it. Well, didn't really want to sign. Um... And then, so my father-in-law was involved with the club. I said, yes, I'll do a season. Um, went there. Boys were brilliant. Like, boys were absolutely brilliant. And I was surprised, like, how good the standard was. A couple of young lads who are now, like, sort of quite senior at Needham, who were just awesome. Um, so it was nice to play with them. Um, and, like, it's just weird. Like, I went there. I drove through Needham, which even when I lived in Ipswich and played for the club, like, I'd never been to Needham. Um, and it's just the high street of like half a dozen shops and a few people and Needham Lakes. It's a really nice place. But I said, I was like, I'm confused. And to this day, I'm confused. Well, I'm not. I know why. But you've got Felix, though, and Berry and Stowmarket and Sudbury. And these are massive towns, like massive towns. And Needham are miles ahead of all of them. I think they're the league above them. Um, they've got an academy. They've got a 3G pitch. They've got like good changing rooms. Like this is a tiny little place with a tiny high street compared to like a town like Felixstowe or Sudbury. And it was a brilliant time and it was nice to be part of seeing that club grow. And it's just a club that's just so well run, so well looked after. The people who look after it and do things for it care about it. And it's nice to be a part of something when it's like that because you're doing it for like the right reasons. Um, and the football was like okay. Um First season, again, my ankle was still playing up. Didn't really play as much as I should. Um, so I said to him, I'd do another year. And then the following year, I think we had record points, pretty much won every game. Um, and it was brilliant. Like, we just smashed people. Uh, we had Kem Izzik from Colchester just retiring. We had Chris Hogg, who played at Ipswich. Like, we just had just two good... Uh, the young lads that were coming through, it was like Kieran Morphew and, and Luke. Um, we just had too much for anyone. Um, the manager was like my manager's a local guy who does a lot of football but we had Steve Foley as the coach who was at wow. Ipswich yep. so like we had a great coach a manager manager was good just sort of motivationally would do a good chat before the game but Steve did all the football um, and yeah so we just um, just smashed it up and it was quite fun um, but then after we got promoted you then started these games were all like longest was about an hour and a half and they got into the other league, which I think they're in now. And they're like Bognor Regis away. And and like I was like, well, I'm okay playing if we're just going to Sudbury and stuff. 
<laughs> but I'm not I'm willing to go to Bognor Regis on a Tuesday night. Like my my kids were born and um yeah, it was fun but not but not Bognor Regis fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone wants to go to Bognor Regis on a Tuesday to be fair. And, and and then a move into um, property development and and then bring us full circle to the to the co-commentary the punditry gig with with um with glenn isn't it um and on for for i follow because you've had amazing feedback for that and and having spoken to you and listened to your insights about the game i'm i'm not surprised um how well you've kind of um kind of got into that job how have you found it uh yeah thank you that's very kind um it's fun. Like I said, like it's just talking about football and I can see, I see football well. I see it like I talk to people. I know people in the game who are playing now. Like the game, even from when I've played, changed loads, like loads tactically. Like I was saying this, we were talking to Glenn the other day and he and the way our two centre midfielders play at Ipswich is so different from how any centre midfielders played in my time. Like pretty much all of my career, you had a Makaleli, and Makaleli was like the like key word. You had this defensive midfielder who you don't ever let the ball into the centre-forward's feet. We watch Morsey and Evans all over the pitch. Like, Evans protects slightly, but they're not worried about the ball into the striker's feet particularly, because they've got three centre-halves now. One will push in tight, and the other two will drop off, and the, balls will, the ball will probably only ever go backwards. Um, it's really weird how it's changed. It's like a lot more attacking, a lot more open, um, like the two tens is something that I never played in a system with two tens, which Kieran like is just his go-to system. Um, but it's nice. Like I, if I could sit up in the stand and play football, I would be an unbelievable footballer, or would have been an unbelievable footballer. But it's it's easy to sit up there and call it. But like when you're, when it's like around you, and it's fast and it's quick and it's like it's so much harder. Like it's so easy to sit up in the stand and watch it and go, look at the guy on the left. Like why can't Wolfenden just? Ping out to Lee, like Lee Davis, but it's not like when you're in it, it's not that easy. Um, you can see why Joe Roy used to sit up in the stands in the first half. Yes, and then th- it's sensible, and managers don't do it now because they have an analyst that does it. So, like um, uh, Liam Manning, who's the MK Dons manager, for instance, they I was talking to Liam when I we went down and watched Ipswich MK Dons last year. Um, they have a board, and the, the analyst comes down at half time and they've got like a massive rollout board they take home and away with them and they'll show them the spaces at half time like visibly pull up and like this is like i never we didn't watch footage at half time sort of thing and they couldn't edit it that quickly at the time but now he literally just pulls it up and go look like right-sided center half plays too narrow there's a gap in between him and his fullback play that pass like and it's just unbelievable like that's just brilliant and like i can see it's easy to see sitting up in the stand um, and then it's hard to work it out yourself and do it in a match. But if you can get told at half time, oh, by the way, he plays too narrow or there are your spaces. Um, it's brilliant now. It's more of a tactical game. Um, I think the players have got to be probably smarter than they used to be. Um, Maybe the coaches are as well. I'm, I'm going to finish on this one and your your thoughts on Kieran McKenna. Um, obviously very positive so far, but any optimism for Ipswich in this season? I guess we have to be at this point, don't we? Yeah, like we win the league, don't we, by miles? <laughs> like I have, I didn't see the Plymouth game, and everyone tells me like Plymouth are the, like Plymouth are good, like we're really good, um, but every other team we've played like we've battered. Like we kick off like we used to play when you kick off, you turn them for five minutes to stretch the game. If you just kick off and have twenty passes, and the other team doesn't <laughs> touch the ball, 
Yeah. Like, it's embarrassing, like, how far ahead they are of the teams. Like, tactically, I think Kieran has got us miles ahead of everybody else. Physically, we're a way better team than anyone I've seen yet. Like, stronger, faster, fitter. Um, technically, we're better. Like, I don't see how we don't don't get promoted. Like, I really think we've got everything this year. And I just think we've also got good strikers. I know that the Ipswich fans, sometimes they'll cheers about the strikers and things like this. Like, the job our striker's doing for the team at the moment is to take the centre-halves away so that Chaplin, Harness, people playing in the tens can get the football. So if people could just realise he's not doing that much that you, you can see, but he's just moving people away from the game to stretch it so that we can get the ball into those. And everything we do that's good comes from those two tens. Um, so just let them, like Ladapa, let them just stretch the game. And people are like, oh, he hasn't scored, he hasn't done this. Fortunately, like our centre forwards might not like the, the work they're doing, and that's why they're coming off at sixty minutes. They're doing incredible things for the team, and our results are down to some of the work they do. But not everyone sees it, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, like just chill out on the ten, on the nines, <laughs> and we'll get promoted because they're doing. I promise, they're doing a good job. You said about subs earlier on, and you, you and and you know feeling a bit kind of annoyed if you're a sub, but you wouldn't feel annoyed as a sub now because the game has changed there's another aspect of the game that's changed isn't it no i would be annoyed (laughs) (laughs) because you want to play football like the subs like i do think the mindset of players has changed that you have to realize that you are going to be a sub more now like the teams especially in a squad like ipswich where they're just so strong and so deep in every position that they are going to rotate um i guess it's something maybe you get used to if you just come up playing that way um but yeah no I, I you'd still be annoyed every time you don't start in my book but yeah <laughs> yeah if it's you're good and they don't you know they can play anyone at the minute yeah it's a good time and hopefully that form continues we'll be um excited to hear the commentary from you and glenn for the rest of the season when are you next up do you know yeah this weekend this there weekend then i'm on holiday and then like, yeah probably um a few more after that once i get back Excellent stuff. Well, on behalf of everyone watching and listening, um, we always kind of try and say thank you to when we have ex-players on because it's very difficult for us to say thank you when you're playing. Um, but we appreciate all of the you know the, the long-busting runs, all of the goals, all the crazy <laughs> celebrations in front of empty Sheffield United terraces. Um, and we all really appreciate the commentary and the work you're doing right now as well. So on behalf of everyone, Ian, thank you so much for talking with us and all the best for the rest of the season and, and enjoy it. Yeah. Cheers, mate. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. 
Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurant. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.